In a world where boredom runs rampant, one podcast and website to bring the tired masses back from the brink of insanity, cannedairpodcast.com. At cannedairpodcast.com, read up on old topics, listen to past episodes, watch movie trailers, read up on the gang, and new movies and video game store. Candarepodcast.com coming this summer, Thursday. You're listening to the Candare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory. Another episode of Can Dare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jeff Holcomb. And joining us today, we have comic writer J.N. Monk here to talk about some of the many projects they have under their belt. Star Hammer, Enough Space for Everyone Else, Disruption, and Battery. We'll be doing that a little bit later. we got a good show for you today. We've, what are we going to be touching on? Uh, some trailers coming up. we got to look forward to Star Wars and Dawn of Justice. 80s TV resurrection happening. A big one. But before we do all that, let's get to recaps. Recaps! Alright, let's start with... I guess Casey Jones. I'm anxious to hear about what you have on Casey Jones. Stephen Amell, aka everybody, well, everybody knows him as Arrow, is has been cast for Casey Jones in the new Turtles movie coming out next year. I'm excited. I, I guess mean, not only we're getting Bebop and Rocksteady, we're getting Casey Jones. Well, maybe Bebop and Rocksteady. They haven't said yet. It was oh. confirmed. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh. I read oh. it was confirmed. Yeah, and that was confirmed like almost immediately. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I cannot wait to see. Thank God it's not talking Tokun Raza or whatever. Oh God, <laughs> I should bring him. Remember the dear baby. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't seen the the last movie, but I do like the way they took pains to differentiate the turtles. They haven't really done with the live action movies before. You kind of just had to go with you know. The color of their bandanas, and that was it. Yeah. Right, their outfit gave them a little bit more personality. It was definitely hard to roll with at first. Yeah, it was hard to get used to. But after, after I don't, I'm not, I don't have any more complaints on it. I no, got used it, to it. It kind of makes sense now. Yeah. Not that I'm saying the movie was fantastic by any means, but it was fun. I and, told Misty uh, about the Casey Jones thing, and she was like, "Really? That's cool. Uh, hopefully, the turtles look better than they did because that just looked stupid." <laughs> I was like, you know yeah. what? You're stupid. <laughs> well said. <laughs> she doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> oh, okay. I or else I'm sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Wonder if we'll get the uh, remember the banter you were saying the other day. Uh, cricket, you gotta know what a crumpet is before you can I understand. I gotta throw cricket. something like that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Just a do, tribute to it. I do wonder uh, if that means that, like, you know, the middle. Ages of turtles will just kind of be relegated to like non-memory. I mean, it seems like already people have forgotten the 2003 series and the, the 2007 oh, yeah. movie. I mean, it's okay if everyone forgets the next mutation. I think we prefer it that way. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just seems that like you know, if it's not the 80s series or anything happening right now, everyone's forgotten. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And in the 2003, I mean, the first few seasons of that show were really good, but then it just got way yeah, out of hand. It was when like, it got when it got to the fast forward series, yeah. we were like, oh, we got to the future. This is Casey and April's grandson. It's like, well, you, you just can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But you didn't even show them getting married. You can't get us invested in their potentially non-existing grandson. <laughs> All right, well, we got Casey Jones to look forward to anyway. I'm excited to see that. All right, Jack, Star Wars trailer release date, right? Yeah, I guess the new trailer for Star Wars, The Force Awakens, is going to be in Age Ultron. Really? Yep. So really darn soon here. I'm excited. A couple weeks. Could it drop drop sooner than that? Because, like, they drop it at Celebration on the 16th, and that's still two weeks before the American release of Age of Ultron. I I saw something about the, for the celebration that they were going to drop it too. And I mean, they do have a Disney movie coming out the following day that probably could use the push of a Star Wars trailer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think anyone's lining up for Monkey Kingdom right now. So if you say, oh, there's Star Wars coming out in front of it. Yeah. What's if I know that one? Yeah. What's (laughs) it called? Monkey Kingdom? Monkey Kingdom is one of those, you know, Disney nature documentaries they run on Earth Day. Oh. I say I love those kind of things, though. I might enjoy that. I've never seen them. Mm. I mean, well, I've, I've never seen one of the see. Disney ones, but like the Planet Earth documentaries or something. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. But very cool. Well, I can't wait to see that. And hopefully it does come out a little bit earlier. And uh, there's also now a release date for the Dawn of Justice Batman vs. Superman trailer. It will be in front of Mad Max Fury Road on May 15th in theaters. That movie looks mm. cool. Yeah, Mad it does. I, I never uh, really watched a lot of the old Mad Max movies, but uh, this one, just the trailers look badass. Yeah, they look really great. And for once, someone got full use out of the orange and teal color grading. And they're just like, oh, finally it works for something. It's not Transformers, you know. It looks great. Well, I'm excited. It's just crazy to see him flying through the desert with all that, all that fighting going on. Yeah. Crazy. Hopefully that's not going to be like a whole half hour scene and that's the only thing you saw of it. I I doubt (laughs) it. That's the only action sequence you see, yeah. I doubt it. So we have that to look forward to May 15th. Max, excuse me, Mad Max and the Dawn of Justice trailer in front of it. That'll do it for recaps. Recap it! So with that, let's move right into the rumor mill. The rumors! Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. Only one rumor this week, it looks like. Jack, something on Captain Marvel. Yes, rumor says that she may show up in uh, Age Ultron in the movie. Really? Just as it doesn't, there's nothing other than she might be in it. It might just be her as herself. Maybe they'll throw some kind of little origin or something. Like her alter ego, her. Yeah, just uh, this is Air Force Captain Carol Danvers, blah, blah, blah. Just, yeah, name drop somewhere in there. I'm anxious to see if they ever do because I remember we were talking early on in uh, Shield when Shield was uh, first coming out, maybe season two, mm-hmm. how Sky could possibly end up being, being Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Yep, just because of the whole Cree thing, right? But they, I'm what? sure. Oh, well, is this the, you know they still have a few episodes after Age of Ultron to like pick up the pieces of yeah. Age of Ultron. Last year they they wrapped up everything before you know oh, yeah. May. But, like, now they have to do it after a major movie, and precedent always shows whenever one of these major movies happens, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets really messed up and has to clean everything up. (laughs) (laughs) 
Just the way we like it. Well, shoot, they got a big mess going on right now with the yep. real shield. Did we already see the season finale of them, or no? Not yet. Not yet. No, we still, we still got a time to go. There's speculation that they're going to introduce Sword in season two. Ooh. And, um, there's also the fact that Age of Ultron is introducing Amadeus Cho's mother, Claudia Kemp's playing Helen Cho. And then there's something else that I remembered, and it's pretty important, but I guess I must have forgotten it right now. But, <laughs> it yeah, but Yeah, but like, you know, uh, Amadeus Cho's mother, Helen Cho, is being played by Claudia Kemp. She's the mystery character that's in Avengers Tower, and they're trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Oh, yeah. All right. And yep. she is a renowned geneticist who is in the lab with Bruce Banner. So... Of course, it seems that Marvel is playing long-term, especially if you know how Amadeus show figures into the Marvel Universe as a whole. Huh. Well, we got that to look forward to. I'm excited. They're just building stuff up everywhere. And yeah. I, there is another thing in the rumor mill. Um, Lord and Miller, um, directors of the Lego movie, are wanted for not only the Ghostbusters reboot sequel with Pratt and Tatum, um, but they're also wanted <laughs> for, they're also wanted for the Flash with Ezra Miller. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, despite everyone's been running with this idea that the WB has this no jokes mandate, and despite the fact that no one official has ever said as much. But in order, apparently, they get away from that. WB is apparently in contention to get Lord and Miller to direct the Flash. And if there's two properties in D.C. right now that can use Lord and Miller's touch, it's either The Flash or Green Lantern. So I think mm. this could be a good fit for them. I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time coming for all these characters to have their own standalone movies. I'm still waiting to see what Ezra Miller's going to look like as The Flash. Oh, like so. I can't even think of who that is. I don't even know who that is. He's a strange-looking guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was, uh, I believe he was the lead in person being the uh, wildfire, and um, he was also in uh, uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin with Tilda Swinton. I don't think I've seen those. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look him up. She could appear in two other things that are happening this year. One's more likely than the other. Um, people tend to forget that for briefly, just briefly though, Carol Danvers did date Scott Lang, or Ant-Man 2, but Carol Danvers is also best friends with Jessica Jones and is even a somewhat major character in Alias. So, seeing as both of those are due to come out later this year, there is just as much chance for her to show up in those as is Age of Ultron. That's true. Yeah, you never know where we're going to find her. In the year after, in Civil War, she'll probably show up in that. Oh, I cannot wait for that. That's going to be amazing. All right, anything else on that? That's it. That'll do it for the rumor mill. The rumors. Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. Rumors. All right, now for the part of the show where we typically go around the table talking about comics we found over the past week or so, but uh, we've recently been in touch with Hound Comics. They're based out of New York, right? Uh, New York, Philadelphia. New York area. Yeah, yeah, in that area. But uh, they reached out to us, and they asked us if we'd be interested in reading some of their titles and uh, reviewing them on air. And uh, we couldn't have been more excited to do so, very honored to do yeah, so, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, if, uh, Read those... comics? <laughs> <laughs> My wallet isn't hurting. <laughs> <laughs> so a big thank you first to everyone over at Hound Comics. 
Uh, we're going to be doing this with them for well, the unforeseeable future as for right now. And here in a few weeks, we're going to have uh, Brimstone, the CEO and founder of Hound Comics, on to talk about uh, the company and uh, the, his comic book. He's he's built himself from the ground up and has a lot to show for it now, so I'm anxious to talk with him. But anyway, I'll quit uh, babbling here and we'll get to the comic we read. Uh, it was called Average Joe. Writer is Derek Adnams and John Pross. Pencilist was Julius Abrera and the letters by Brandon Bullock. And, I mean, this was pretty much a uh, every dog has his day kind of a story. Where you're, you're really watching the life of an average Joe. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> Who happens to be named Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you pretty much watch as he he's a cop and he's on the sidelines kind of protecting people keeping people back from uh, like superheroes and villains fighting in the streets and stuff and uh, we kind of get a glimpse into his real life his work life's a lot more fun than his home life yeah definitely <laughs> and he just he wants to feel special but there's really nothing in his life making him feel special mm-hmm. it looks like i mean his his ex-wife ran off i mean i think she was referred to as a gold digger by one of his buddies in there yeah comic and took his daughter so his daughter is uh kind of growing away from him it looks like she's right? spoiled yeah she's very spoiled it's pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know he just kind of waiting for his break and uh toward the end i don't want to say too much i don't know how much we should say i don't want to ruin anything oh, yeah. for these guys but uh Toward the end, he meets a very attractive girl in a bar, and they go home, and it's, we're just kind of left on a cliffhanger. I don't know if... Should I... I'm not going to say the cliffhanger, but what what were you guys' overall thoughts? I liked it. I thought it was a, a cool take on the whole superhero deal where you're on the sidelines pretty much watching right. the fight, keeping everyone safe. Well, those, you know, policemen, like kind of like riot control kind of people keeping the cl- uh, crowds back from mm-hmm. fights... Or in almost every comic yeah. or you know, movie rendition of a comic. But you never really see their story or anything. Mm-hmm. And this is a nice way to get into their head a little bit. That and the, the beginning and the ending, how it kind of went together just with his... His, his monologue. Yeah. 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 That, that was probably the coolest part when it ended the way it started like that. Yeah. He was saying, you know, every dog... Well, was it? Like, even the unluckiest person gets lucky sometimes. He said, it doesn't look like today is going to be that day or something. (laughs) Then it was over. I was like, that was a good ending. Yeah. With it being a little bit of a cliffhanger, too. It was. What about you, Jeff? What did you think? I was disappointed with that cliffhanger. I want to see what's going to happen because I felt really bad for the character. I wish that scene with him and that girl in the bed would have played out a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my dirty mind at work. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. It's it's safe to assume what they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was... uh, I mean, overall, I could see the whole side, you know, story going on. It's kind of like in Ghostbusters or any other type of movie that you do see, like you were saying earlier, is like you don't know what's going through their mind or what's going on in their life because we don't really care. We only see the heroes. Right. And like the hero on this one, Starbuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's just you see him saving the day. Nobody really cares about the cops that try to stay on the side and keep everyone protected and like even actually shielded a woman and she still didn't give a damn what he was doing and he was just like whatever right but uh, I, I, I overall I enjoyed it I do want to see the uh, second issue just to see what the heck happens to the guy And yeah because they don't it doesn't leave you with a lot of uh, what's going to happen I mean the cliffhanger they leave you on it's like what am I looking at what's, 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 what, yeah. what's going to happen you know it's I mean, a good cliffhanger. <laughs> it's one of those ones that make you think, and I actually have three outcomes that could happen, but I'm not going to explain it just because it will blow the uh, ending of the first issue. So. Oh, I'm dying to hear them. 
Well, maybe we can uh, talk to the people over at Hound and maybe read the two and three if find they're out. out. Yeah. yeah, find out where the other ones. I'm very curious, and then we could talk about them on the show too. Is yeah. there more issues for this one available on there? Is it? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we were only sent the first one of yeah. Average Joe, but there could be more out. This could have just been to like get the ball rolling. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really good. Anxious to see more of that. So. The average jewel. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to mention the overall artwork and styling that they did was actually very well to the story. Yeah. So. yeah. It was a beautiful book. Yeah. It All was around. very well. Very good. Sorry. <laughs> color and detail. Like, I like. <laughs> then again, the title of that book is Average Joe, and you can find that on houndcomics.com. Or you can go to our website where we'll have a link over to Hound Comics where you can make your purchase there. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. All right. Well... Like I said, next week we'll be back with another uh, title from Hound Comics. And, uh, yeah, strongly recommend you guys go to their website and check them out. they got a lot of cool stuff happening over there. All right. And with that, let's move right into... Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? 14-year-old Gordon Arnett from Connecticut. And what has Gordon Arnett done to deserve a spot on a wall of justice? Back in 1989... Gordon was at his local pharmacy talking with Jimmy Dowd and Thomas McGarry when he heard uh, the two guys announce that they were going to go for a swim over in the river. And he said it was pretty clear that they were drunk. Mm. And he asked them not to. His spidey senses tingled, basically, what the article said. Really? Not so many words, spidey sense, but... He just had a bad feeling. Yeah. Right. Or like in Star Wars, like they do. I've got a bad feeling There's a disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> they went ahead and went to their, go do their, their swim, and he followed them. He followed them, they jumped in the water, and I guess there was a pretty good current, and it took them, took them away. And they ended up, so he saw their heads bobbing in the water, and saw that they were drowning. So he went ahead and he saw a nearby uh, inflatable raft, jumped on it, paddled, so it was about 130 feet with his hands over to one guy grabbed him got him his arm like draped over the boat to keep him afloat the other guy was probably another 30 yards away I think it was 30 feet and I guess that guy started to have a seizure so the kid ended up diving in the water ended up grabbing that guy and got him back to the boat and by the time the cops got there he had both of the guys on the the shore and they were all passed out pretty much I bet I mean if you're already wasted I mean the the cold water I mean, probably really deliver a shock to your system. Yeah. Wow, that's scary. Well, that police said that if if he hadn't taken action, they probably both would have died. Absolutely. That sounds like some weird alternate version of the origin story of the rumor about what In the Air Tonight's actually about. You ever hear that one? It's like a really dumb rumor that Phil Collins used to hear all the time. People used to think that In the Air Tonight was about him oh, witnessing yes. a person dread witnessing someone else witnessing a person drowning and then he made a song about it and invited that person to the concert and then like put them on blast for it basically did he really no it's not true like it's literally it's literally i know that's not true but i mean (laughs) the part at the concert where he called out the person um see that, that see none of that ever happened it's literally just about his divorce and, but the thing is, what? for like for like years, people kept like assuming and even insisting that it's basically about him, you know, really trying to rub it into this one guy's face that right. he knew that he watched another guy drown. Wow. 
That would be pretty demented of Phil Collins if that I've was actually. I heard about the case. that. I love that song. Oh, that's a good song. Heck yeah. yeah, it is. I'd heard that before, but you never know with those. <laughs> I, people got it because you know the lyric. If if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. Right. It's kind of like the whole Beatles. Paul is dead. I, I thing. was just thinking that same thing. <laughs> All right. Oh, John's pointing on the cover. Right. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever hear um, about how? Um, the guy in Britain who thought he was the real Brian May from another universe who had to kill <laughs> the, the fake Brian May that took his place in Queen for like defaming him. No, I never heard yeah. that. Yeah, this is like a real thing. That he wow. tried to kill Brian May because he thought Brian May was defaming him because he was the real Brian May. Holy! Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, there's wow. only one Brian freaking May. <laughs> there will only ever be one wow. Brian May. So I guess, ironically, uh, Gordon wanted to become a lifeguard, and before this all happened, had been told by his PE teacher that uh, he wasn't strong enough swimmer to do it. You'll never make it in the lifeguard industry. We'll just save these two guys. Suck it! <laughs> <laughs> and for your heroic deeds, Gordon, you have now found a spot on our wall of justice. In the hall of heroes. So thank you for your great deeds and continue doing them. That was back in 1989. That was a long time ago. You think he's still uh, alive and kicking? Yeah, I'm sure he is. He's still swimming. Probably. Oh, my God. I instantly started thinking of, uh, what was it, Land of the Lost? Matt Bauer can suck it. The book they made. <laughs> <laughs> the PE teacher instead. Oh, man. All right. Uh, first, let's see here. Last Airbender, Jack? Yep. Uh-oh. The Last Airbender's coming back, comic series. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a, not a show. I was like, damn, movie's coming back? The part two? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now there, no one's going to ever touch that after M. Night Shyamalan killed it. <laughs> Shalom that was, Leon. That was, uh, that was a really big mix of things. I mean, I think people forget that he did not have that much control over the movie because his name was Mud by then. Like, that was... Um, a lot of the casting decisions came from Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy at the time. He was kind of he was kind of a working Joe on that. Like him fighting hard enough is what got Jesse McCartney from to not be Zuko, and they got Dev Patel instead. Hmm, I didn't know that. That's yeah, funny. I mean, I don't think he was capable of bringing of bringing out a great version of that film, but the fiasco was on multiple levels, not just him. It moved too fast. It could have been better if it was yeah. drawn out longer. Yeah, because it was like. It went through a whole like two or three series or seasons, yeah, in one movie. Yep, and that's what killed me. Hmm. The new comic is a three-part series entitled "The Last Airbender: Smoke and Shadow." And it's supposed to come out on September twenty-third of this year, and it will start right where the series left off, oh. TV series. Hmm. So you'll find out with Zuko and his mom and his mom. Yep. Oh, they went back to the Fire Nation. And you'll find out what happens there. And it ties into the free comic book day book that came out two years ago. Way to strike when the iron's hot. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Very cool. Is there a release date on that? September 23rd. September 23rd. So we got a little while to wait. Yeah. Well, right. Plenty of time to get caught up on the series because I think I only watched half the first season. Oh, you actually never finished it? No. No, it left Netflix before I could finish it. Oh, shoot. Oh, do you you have have Prime? It's on there. Yep. 
I could probably get a 30 day free trial. There you there go. You go. <laughs> Binge watch. Yeah. Sure, get Kenzo on day 29. <laughs> Set my reminder. <laughs> All right, very cool. Uh, another thing here, I'm really excited to uh, see when this comes out the Batman 66 animated movie. You got some details on that? Yeah, it's Adam West and Burt Ward are going to star in an upcoming animated Batman 66 movie. I'm excited for that. I wonder how. I mean, Adam West can still sound like Batman, but Burt Ward not Watching being that a video, child anymore. Yeah, I was li- trying to listen to his voice, trying to hear the Robin in there, and I don't. I, it's going to be a tough one. Well, and, and they're also getting that Julie Newmar is coming back as Catwoman. Oh, I mean, God. what? As a well, of course. I mean, like I know it's probably like you know sour grapes for them because I'm pretty sure they really wanted. Her. Eartha Kitt could still be alive for this, but you know, because she's a fan, she was a fantastic voice actor, and she's the one that most people associate with the role. I mean, when it comes to the bigger names, but right, huh? That would be interesting. Call Yvonne Craig, see if she's gonna get in on it. <laughs> they do want to include Batgirl. In oh, so maybe. Well, maybe she yeah, has I don't a think chance. She'll do it. No, she you don't think so. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, just a voice. Yeah, she it's always it. inter. It's always interesting to me, like, how many times, like, the comic flirts with, like, or, like, DC in general, like, first we're trying to put a Batgirl into the comic. I mean, you have, you know, you have Betty Kane in the 50s as Bat, you know, hyphen girl. And then you have, back in the 60s, you had the um, Toho's attempt to make a Batman versus Godzilla movie that would have featured a Batgirl, but you don't have the official Batgirl happen. <laughs> Batman versus Godzilla? Is that what you said? Yeah, there was gonna, there was gonna, they, like, there was, like, plans only on the Toho side and only, like, through, like, one guy, basically. But they wanted to make a Batman versus Godzilla movie in the same vein as Bat, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, where Batman <laughs> has to defeat Godzilla with the help of, you know, his new sidekick, Batgirl. And... The plans fell through, and that was just why. That was just before you know the TV show came out. Yeah, I don't know about all that. That'd have been a little out there. While we're on the quick topic of Yvonne Craig, I I was going to review this uh, Batman '66 comic mm-hmm. in our roundtable. Um, just really quick, in the back of this issue, there's a there's a double feature. There's a quick Batgirl story where she's at the library and the villain called the Bookworm comes in to take this book that has uh like evil spells and stuff if you like chant out what's on the pages you know like uh kind of yeah stuff well it shows the the bad guy here and he's reading stuff out of the book and it goes <laughs> let me read it to you here Roddy Mark Dole Yvonne Craig. <laughs> what? <laughs> I lost it. I was rolling out of my chair. I thought that was an awesome little tribute to her. It really does. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it's not spelled the same way, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to throw it Phonetically, it shows though. Yeah. It, was, it made me laugh pretty good. Anyway, go I ahead. guess the uh, animated movie will come out next year, around the 50th anniversary of the show's 66th debut. Oh, really? Yep. The, f- oh. the 50th anniversary of of the original I series, see. yeah. I'll be excited to watch that. And there may be two movies, but definitely one movie from what we're oh, right, right. I'll take two. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sad. Nice. I just hope they're as uh, campy as the original run, you know. Oh, I'm sure they'll be like that, like Scooby Doo and Batman and Robin run. <laughs> That'd be cool if it's the comic art. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the art changes, because uh, <clears throat> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, maybe the artist doesn't change, but in past episodes of this comic, like, all throughout the comic, the drawings are made to look just like Adam West. And in this, this one, it really wasn't the case. It was... I'll let you guys take a quick look at it. It was kind of cartoony. Oh no, this was actually more comic book looking. Yeah, exactly. Not that it's bad. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not razzing it. I'm just saying it changed. <laughs> and still got the bad eyebrows though. Oh yeah, less bad eyebrows. <laughs> so I love that book though. I love that comic <laughs> series. All right. Anything else on that? No, we can't wait for that one. No. Kind of, I'm kind of wishing that, you know, Casey Kasem was still alive so he can do that ridiculous Robin voice. <laughs> yeah. That poor guy. Sad few last days for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving along. Robotech? Yeah, I guess Sony Pictures wants to make a live-action Robotech movie. Mm. Yay. Michael Gordon, who wrote 300 G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra is doing, he's writing the script for the movie. Is Toby Maguire here producing? <laughs> I don't know, I didn't see anything about oh, any producing on it. Oh, pretty good, actually. Toby Maguire? Yeah. Hmm. There's also a, a fun fact, which I had no idea, that kind of r- almost ruins Robotech for me. Uh-oh. The, the series that aired in the 80s wasn't actually how it was supposed to go. It was actually cut up and put together from a bunch of different stuff. That they yep. pieced together to actually make the American story. Yeah, primarily it was made from a show called Macross, which is that, yeah, astoundingly different. Like it's not like you know, Speed Racer where we just been like, oh, Maka Go Go. We just cut out any reference that is Japanese at all. With Macross, we you know butchered it to death. It's right up there with Star Blazers. <laughs> that, that was a good one too. Didn't they butcher uh, Samurai Pizza Cats the same way? Yeah, uh, there's a, like basically when in the 80s and 90s and even as recently as last decade when there is like ideas they don't think will translate well because they're just too steeped in Japanese culture but they look nice and they're cheap to buy they just edit the heck out of them I think the most recent ones that um, did that were um, One Piece on Four Kids oh, and Adult Squid an adult swims around of Cran Sinchan. Yep. Oh my god, you're so right about that. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm not gonna hit you. I swear to god, I know he hit him. <laughs> you're talking over my head with yeah, this. I don't, sorry, I don't sorry. know these either. <laughs> There's so much. It's so bad. I want to kids. share your enthusiasm, Jeff. I really do. <laughs> oh. Now, Samurai Pizza Cats, when they came on, it was hilarious to watch in English. But I watched the, uh, the original Samurai run. Samurai Pizza Cats? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah, exactly yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it delivers what it promises. <laughs> if you uh, watch... The Samurai Pizza Cats was part of the time part of the time where Saban was, you know, flying high. He's like, we got powers over here. We're going to bring over everything Japanese. So they tried to bring Kamen Rider over here, and they made that show Mash Rider, which literally nobody remembers. And they oh. brought in Samurai Pizza Cats, and most people have forgotten that, too. Like, like Saban, basically... Their entire time was trying to pick up the pieces of what Marvel couldn't follow through with. I don't know if you ever heard that story, but um, basically, Super Sentai got started because Toei could not get the full rights to an Avengers-type show after running their Spider-Man series. 
which was the first time a live action hero ever got in a mech. So they made up their own and it became a, became Super Sentai. Marvel had plans to bring the show over in the early 80s, edit it and redub it, but that fell through. So these two businessmen slash theme song writers, um, Shuki Levy and Haynes Bond, brought over Super Sentai in the early 90s and made it Power Rangers. Clearly enough, they were also the ones that carried the Marvel cartoons in the 90s. So basically, wow. so basically, you know, everyone's childhood is kind of built in Marvel failing a lot until recently. <laughs> <laughs> Just wasn't their time. Mass Rider, man, I used to watch that too. That name sounds familiar. But I know. I don't want to look thinking. it up though. Yeah, I can't it's, think of what it it's is. It's really though. good. I mean, but this was like mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 90s. It was, like, early to mid-90s. And, you know, it was about, like, this alien who got chased to our world, and then he got adopted by a family. He had, like, this ugly, sentient cat-looking thing that was his sidekick. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, you know, that, that you know, crossed over with Power Rangers, and, you know, but, like, no one remembers that it happened, like, Mass Rider. Like, they just they swept it under the rug, just like Next Mutation. I used to have the uh, I used to have the Mass Rider toy actually. Really? Yeah, they came out with toys and everything. Well, they came out with toys for everything. I guess. I'm definitely gonna have to look that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It's because I don't remember at all. I would recommend the what? Samurai Pizza Cats because there was a huge following for that. Where, where were these shows uh, located, um, station wise? Were these uh, like Fox? I think they're all yeah, they're on Fox. Do I? Yeah, I think Samurai Pizza Cats might have been on Kids WB, but I'm not certain. Boy, I yeah, I always caught that, that on Fox. I, I don't was... see how I could forget Samurai Pizza Cats if I ever had heard it. Yeah, because they even brought over the same. The first time I watched Samurai Pizza Cats was the same time that they brought over uh, Darkstalkers, or they called them something else in that, America. Now that thing that you're showing me looks yeah, familiar. Yeah, that's Mass Rider. That's Mass Rider. That's Mask Rider. Yeah, that does look familiar. familiar yeah. and I believe he used to ride a motorcycle all the time too. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm going to have to catch up on Mask Rider. I don't know. Nothing. Yeah, like, the, the Mask Rider is based on another long-running superhero series from Japan called Kamen Rider, which is basically one of those henshin hero things where, you know, a hero is only powerful when they change into a ridiculous costume that changes their total appearance. And if you want to think of something that you're probably more familiar with that borrows heavily from Mass um, Cayman Rider. There was uh, the Beautiful Joe series. Oh, was, yeah. Was based heavily on, like, influenced heavily by the Cayman Rider series. Love that game. Again, over my head, I don't know. That Beautiful Joe? Oh, no. shit, that game Sounds is familiar crazy too. I mean, I remember it came, coming out like on GameCube or something, right? Yeah, or GameCube first, and then it came over, it ported over to PS2. I think I maybe played a demo, but that was all I ever oh, tried out. Oh, man. Good? God. I actually own it on the PS2 still. Do you? Two copies somehow. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> In case one goes bad, I can still play. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Wasn't Guyver inspired by that, too? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know too much about Guyver. You've run into one of the few holes in my knowledge here. But well, yeah. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> what about Inframen then? No. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on RoboTech there, Jack? No. Well, I don't know nothing on when it might be coming out, but we'll okay. see if Sony can keep that one afloat. <laughs> yeah, Sony. Sony's really hungry for kind of any franchise. Yeah. Right? 
like between them and Lionsgate going like, all right, we're going to buy a Robin Hood origin story movie and make a shared greedy universe. Because if there's anything we've learned from Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, it's that we want a, a gritty, realistic Robin Hood film. Mm-hmm. That would oh. be awesome. I want a man in tights Robin Hood. <laughs> the one with uh, Russell Crowe is pretty good. Oh, I never that saw was, that one. That was really weird because it's essentially about how Robin Hood forced King John to write the Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. That's literally what that movie. Yeah, was. it was so weird to me. Uh, I remember uh, the hell was in that Robin yeah, Hood like, in the '80s. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yes, that's the one I remember. <laughs> the Brian Adams, Which, Kevin, yes. the Robin Hood, and, yeah. and Morgan Freeman and Alan Rickman. Yeah. Uh, Little man loves a woman. Was that the one? <laughs> no, that was. Uh, uh, what song was it? Everything I do. Oh, you're right. Did you do my eyes? Kevin Costner doesn't even. You a fan. <laughs> Kevin Costner doesn't even bother to do a British accent. Morgan Freeman doesn't bother to do any accent. He's just, I don't know, Morgan Freeman in the 12th century, apparently. I don't need an accent. (laughs) I have star power. (laughs) Morgan Freeman. Did you ever see uh, The Postman? Kevin Costner movie? Mm -mm. I enjoyed it. It got bad reviews, and it was probably too long, but it was like set uh, after a nuclear war, like... People rebuilding. So what Tom Petty was in? Yes. Okay, that's yes. in the end, I think. Yeah, he was in it just for a short time at that city, but it was it was fun, but way too freaking long. <laughs> anyway, moving along. All right, so uh, we we all know that uh, a lot of TV shows are coming out of extinction, like we saw Inspector Gadget. Uh, yeah, not, yeah, that was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stick with the original theme song. You can't yeah. beat it. Uh, what else was there on that list? Oh, uh, uh, Care Bears uh, and... Callback on that one. Um, Saban and Levy wrote the Inspector Gadget theme song. The no. original? Yeah. What? Man. Yeah. Best theme song ever. It, yeah. They're right, they're, they're right up there with James Lipton, you know, inside the actor studio guy who wrote the Thundercats theme song. Are you... Sh- what? Yeah. You're, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. People, you know, Moonlight weird, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. God. Boy, that I would have never guessed. No. Wow. All right. Well, I've got a whole handful of shows that are coming back, guys. And these aren't oh. cartoons. These are uh, like prime time from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm. So let's just start at the top of the list here. This is one that I, I wasn't too familiar with. Maybe when you guys were, it was Twin Peaks. It's They're not back. doing that. They got canceled? Yeah, I I saw something, I want to say yesterday, that they backed out or something like that. I was wondering, too, because... They they haven't backed out yet. Um, Oh, they haven't? Lynch has backed out of doing the show. Showtime still wants to go on with it, but fans are putting pressure on Showtime to get Lynch back at all costs. Fans can probably pull it off, too, because fans do pretty strong stuff. It only ran for like two seasons in its original it ran for, run. It ran for two seasons on ABC. It's deeply influential. You see it. You see, you know, you see references to it in Gravity Falls and Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Yeah. I actually was more interested in the more, the other show that ran that was about quirky, weird, small towns, Erie, Indiana. Oh, which, yeah. Which was Joe Dante's series from the early 90s. I but, um that show. I never watched 
Twin Peaks when it was on. Oh, really? I yeah, never did either. No, know nothing about it. Me either. It was interesting. It was just That's like all a, I know, yeah. It was like FBI agents were... Uh, Twin Peaks was like a small town like in Washington or something, and the FBI agents were there to investigate a missing person, and that was pretty much the run of the show. some weird kid? Uh, I don't remember that... Maybe that I was remember a else. weird kid, but uh, again, I, it's been so long yeah. I don't remember. I can I can never get past the pilot, but it's on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. That'll be the Candare Challenge. See how far you can get into the original <laughs> run of Twin Peaks. All right, next the next show coming back. This one about knocked me on my rear end. Here is Coach. What? what? Coach is coming back. Thirteen oh. episodes with Craig T. Nelson are returning. Wow. Um, no word on the rest of the cast yet. Christine's not coming. Dobber. It doesn't say. I would. She almost have to, wouldn't yeah. she? Yeah. Maybe they were married. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, isn't that like weird that Coach is coming back? Because it's not even coming back on ABC. Apparently, NBC is so hard up for comedy hits, they have to resurrect another. Network sloppy seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good show then. I don't. That know. was yeah, a good show. I don't know about now. Yep. Well, the, they say the plot now is uh, Hayden Fox, who is retired from coaching, will step up to help his son, who is now a coach at a different college. Uh, nah, so, nah. I don't think it, it'll be as good. But do you think they'll be? They'll bring Jerry Van Dyke back. I just want to say that he is. He's still alive. He's, you know. And then there's Bill uh, Bogenbrake. You know, he's still alive. You know, most of the the entire cast is still alive, which, you know, even these days, it's an accomplishment for a show that has been off for nearly 20 years. Jerry Van Dyke has got to be... He's got to be pretty darn old. He's still younger than Dick Van Dyke, so... Well, we'll see. I'd like to see him. I like Jerry Van Dyke. He makes me laugh. (laughs) All right, next show up. And we've talked about this one before, but it seems like it now has a home. Fuller House... Next, oh, yeah. The next Full House. Yeah. It's going to have a 13-episode uh, run, and it's going to focus around... Uh, Kimmy Gibbler. Yes. No, what? DJ I was just and, kidding. DJ and Kimmy Gibbler, yes. I was kidding. Them as adults and having their own <laughs> kids. Well, <laughs> kidding if you were, it's the truth. Um, it was saying that the rest of the uh, cast, though, wouldn't be primarily in the show, but like periodically... Pop in to say hello, yeah. you know. No, they're, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're running the girl meets world strategy here. Apparently. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a shame. Girl meets world. <laughs> I know it's way out of my age bracket, but you know, growing up with boy meets world and seeing that, you have to watch that first episode or two, and it was bad, man. Oh, bad. I, I've heard it's gotten better, but like, I'm not. I'm not of only. You know, outgrown being able to think of Boy Meets World as a purely good thing. That means that I can't, you know, probably barely like Girl Meets World at all. So, you know. Yeah, it was horrible. I, I, <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Did Sean Hunter pop up? Uh, yeah, he yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I might go and watch Topanga, it. weirdest name I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think, you know, the more important thing here is when are the Olsen twins going to round out their trilogy of poker-related titled sitcoms. Because, I mean, you got Full House, you got Two of a Kind, so now all we need is hey. Royal Flush. <laughs> I never noticed that. You're right. Like, hmm. oh, you'll never see him caught dead on this nah. show, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a million years. So, yeah, Full House fans look forward to that. Uh, two more here. Let me move to the next one, The Muppet Show. The Variety Yay. Hour Muppet Show is yes. coming back. Uh, ABC developing a reboot. Uh, the plot 
it says a plot is being kept quiet for now. I didn't think they had much of a plot, though, right? I mean, it was just kind of like just SNL kind of skits, yeah. yeah. But it's from the co-creator of Big Bang Theory, but also from the writer of Muppet Vision 3D and one of the co-producers, I believe, of Parks and Rec. So this could go any way. Yeah. yeah, like like you were saying, Bill Brady from Big Bang Theory and Bob Cushell of Anger Management as well will be working on it. Uh, but says originally, or excuse me, the show originally ran from uh, 1976 to 81. And I, I didn't even remember this, but it says it was revived in 1996 with yeah. ABC's yeah, Muppets Tonight. Muppets Tonight, yeah. Mm, you know, they, they, they thought like they can carry a show with, you know, someone who wasn't Kermit and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have Kermit. Come on, but yeah, that only lasted ten episodes, not yeah. even a season. That's a shame. It was okay. Well, hopefully this one will be better. I mean, the Muppets have uh, come back pretty strong in the movie theaters with Disney acquiring them. I don't know how good the last one did, but I mean, it wasn't too no. long that they pumped two of them out. I enjoyed the, that first one that came out with yeah. uh, what was his name, Jason uh, Siegel. Siegel, yeah. yes, thank you. That was decent. <laughs> Catching it on FX. When Amy Adams is having her her uh, party, her by myself party. Oh yeah, I, I got to turn the channel because I can't stand that song. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm having a me party. Brett McKenzie won an Oscar for um, his work on the Muppets. That that movie, and you know, of course, he's won half of Flight of the Concords. And uh, oh okay, well it was good. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. One more title here. X Files is getting oh, rebooted. Yeah. What? Mulder and Scully too. Huh? Oh yep. really? Yep, coming back. And uh, Chris Carter, the original creator, is coming back too. Holy shit! Yeah, but it looks like this is only a limited, like oh. thirteen episodes, and then it's going to go away again. What I don't the think fuck? they're starting all the way back up but, again. But but yeah, they're getting everyone back. You know, Reyes, Doggett, Skinner, cigarette smoking man, Mulder, Scully. They're all coming back. That guy's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, William B. Davis, you know, he, the, I mean, he's been showing up on that one Canadian show continuum for the past three or four years. So, yeah, he's still alive. He's, wow. No, he was the, the guy with the glasses and long hair. And who am I thinking of? No, he'd uh, sit there and smoke all the time. Who am I thinking of? Who were the guys, like the two guys in next? Oh, the Lone Gunman? They're dead. Oh. They're dead oh. in the universe. Oh, oh, are they? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. That was like, uh, yeah. That happened in the final season. They they, they they killed him off unceremoniously. It's like, the show failed, and this is the final season. We have nothing left to do with you. They still show up in the uh, Xbox, or Xbox, shit. (laughs) Xbox. Oh, I did it again. The X Files comic. Those guys are in there. Do they? Mm -hmm. I remember the X Files Ninja Turtle crossover. Those two guys snatched Leonardo into the back of their van and took off with him. It was <laughs> I like how this is canned. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, I'm really, like, I feel that any person who can bring back the series and write it out of that absurd corner they wrote it in 12, 13 years ago probably has a good platform to win the 2016 U.S. presidential election. <laughs> that would be interesting. The whole thing that said reboot was what kind of. For X Files? Yeah. That kind of took me mm. by surprise. I think they just continue it or like pull them out of Try to pick it up somewhere. Yeah. But who knows? You know, the internet has been known to lie to me from time to time, so we'll French see model. what happens. What? French model. French model? No, it's a joke. The Allstate commercial? Oh, yeah. yeah he's a French model. <laughs> the internet doesn't lie, you know. Oh, 
Okay. Definitely putting a cricket sound effect in there. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all for the TV shows coming back. I'm sure that list is going to keep growing longer and longer, especially if any of these uh, find success. Yeah. They'll use Muppets work. Please, Muppets. Yeah, I'm sure it will by now, don't you think? Mm-hmm. New generation. I get excited just thinking about the theme song. They better keep that the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn our attention over to J.N. Monk and talk about some of these projects you've got going on. Thanks again for being with us today. I, I, I didn't. I was trying to think of where to start with you, but you've got so many projects on so many different burners here that I'm just going to kind of set you loose on them, if that's okay. I've got several things in the works. Um, just recently, I, I launched an anthology called Enough Space for Everyone Else. It's an anthology whose theme is non-imperialist-based. It turns out that most space things involve empires in some way, whether you're, you know, expanding them, maintaining them, defending them, fighting them, or just being a part of them. It seems that there's very few ideas that have nothing to do with, you know, people not being part of empires. Right. Like, you've got notable exceptions. You have, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, got Alien, you've got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, you know, government is just a pretense that probably doesn't actually exist, and I think, I guess your biggest one that's, you know, pretty non-imperialist is Ian Banks' Culture Series, but the thing is, is that we are accepting pitches for prose stories, comic stories, and illustrations that of all tones and all genres that, um, you know, focus on, like, these ideas about non-imperialist space. And they can be about anything. It just has to be, you know, less Star Wars, less Star Trek, and more just the freedom of figuring out your own junk within space. I'm editing it with Lee Black. They do... The editing for Atomic Robo, if you've heard of that comic. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that book. And, you know, there's so many resident people are already involved. Like, um, I think his name is Benito Serino. Um, he, he wrote a run of The Tick back in 2009, and he wrote a bunch of backups for Invincible over the past decade. Submissions are open now. They close on May 4th, and... After after that, we um, hope to complete things. I mean, have a, the final deadlines for most artwork is the end of July, and then we'll run a campaign on Indiegogo, and we uh, hope to have things all together by 2016, basically. Very nice. When you say you have all things together, like a finished product that you can start producing, or our finished product that will be start shipping, actually. Oh, nice. Very nice. Now, you've got some other uh, projects here, too. It looks like there's one called Star Starhammer. Is that correct? Yeah, Starhammer is an all-ages superhero comic that I've been working on for the past few years. It's um, basically about a teenage girl who obtains, you know, through no fault of her own, the, weapon, the primary weapon of a disgraced superhero who is now has to train her while also trying to maintain a bid for her own redemptive comeback. And the idea is um, I wanted to do a superhero story that is not tied up in any current brands, but also aimed actually directly 
at like younger audiences because they don't really have enough right now. They, you know, right. Uh, most of the comic stuff that they do get that involves superheroes uh, is like primarily sort of jokey, which is fine unless right. that's all you have. And so much of it is jokes that cater to audiences that are older than them because they still don't believe the kids can carry the product alone. So you're making kind of a, a middle ground here between the kiddiness of kids' comics and the, the grown-up nature of the comics we we know. A middle ground for everyone to write on. Yeah, and, um, um, you know, Starhammer, you know, it's the titular character of the comic. It's, you know, this is the teen girl's, like, superhero identity. Um, basically, you know, she has a weapon called Orion's Mallet, which can produce constructs based on the constellations and so it's kind of like you know imagine if green lantern's ring and thor's hammer were the same thing that's pretty neat yeah it's cool it's set in an alternate universe where the divergence point was 1985 where probes that bombarded the earth in the late you know in october of 1985 resulted in um, superheroes around the world. And the, the comic starts in 2017 in a world that's been drastically changed and is still dealing with that. And I wanted to go for, like, like I wanted to be representation for people who don't tend to get representation or see themselves in comics a lot. So, because, you know, when I was a kid, you know, there, there were uh, black males, but there weren't a ton of them and stuff they kind of like not until like my teen years or whatever but um like the original star hammer um the one who the one who has to train the new one you know she's a she's a black woman and the primary character the current star hammer evie she is um chinese american i want to be able to like represent all sorts of people who I just think, I just feel like it's a responsible thing to do. And so, like, you know, there are, are characters who, you know, identify as queer. There are characters that identify as, you know, um, other, like, like races that don't line up neatly into the box. Like, Evie's best friend, Izzy, she is, you know, part French and part Native American. And, you know, so, like, that isn't, like... I mean, a lot of a lot of our media tends to want to shove race into like a single box. Like you either black or you're white or you're right. Asian or you're Hispanic. And there's a lot of people who don't fall along those lines, and they don't want to be forced to fall along those lines just to identify with things. Right. And That's um, genius, really. You're in, you're including way more people in, inviting them in by doing that. Yeah, like um, it is it is not as like as much of a driving force as it may seem right now. I feel like right now it's more of a naturalistic thing. Um, basically, the main city where everything takes place in is pretty much an altered version of my hometown of Toledo called Lake Erie City. Oh, which really? Is, yeah, which is basically because of the divergence point in 1985 this city kind of boomed overnight. So the Rust Belt never really collapsed. You know, Chicago, Cleveland, Gary, Detroit, you know, everything's doing all right. And then you've got these booming cities and they've got, they each got like their own superhero or whatever. And I just, you know, I just wanted to do like a story that was like part science fiction, part superhero, 
you know, part all ages comics. There's even there's even like a bunch of other disparate influences there. Like, you know, I'm actually primarily inspired by like music and stuff. So like instead of like other products of so like, you know, there's even like a you know, a bit of musical influence in there and even a bit of like, you know, the Japanese magic girl traditions in there too. Because I, I grew up on that stuff too and it just seems like it seems that a lot of times people are just okay repeating like the tropes and stuff that they grew up on and not trying to synthesize like these new things that other people can grow up on. And I feel like that's a good way to like stagnate. And one of the things like um a lot of a lot of a lot of times when I um write something is basically like I hear something that's that sounds like a really excellent story that I don't read or watch it and then just make up how I would hear Right. And, and that's what I'm doing with um, Starhammer there. And Very nice. Is that going to be in print or is it a webcomic? It's going to be a webcomic. It's going to start in October on um, this webcomic collective called Hiveworks. Um, you can find them at thehiveworks.com. Okay. And they carry, they carry Atomic Robo and Saturday morning breakfast cereal and, you know, hijinks and sea. They, they carry a lot of things, actually. Really? I'm also, like, um, releasing prequel comics before the main launch in October. Prequels to Starhammer. Yeah. Okay. Because because the, the, the main series is set in 2017. But as you know, I mean, Divergent Point is 1985. That is 32 years of ground that I could potentially cover there. Right. So, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I'm working with an artist named Clay Linville. He is an extraordinary talent. Um, he works on this motion comic called Spadrelli. He's an animator. So, um, and he has all these great ideas about how to convey motion and storytelling and all that. And we're going to combine our ideas together to make the best version of Star Animal we possibly can. Well, we look forward to that, man. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see that. You'll have to uh, forward us a link or something once uh, that goes live. Um, I guess uh, another um, comic that I'm doing with uh, a fellow named Martin Kirby. You know, he's he's from Britain. He's uh, he's another excellent artist. He's working on a webcomic right now called uh, Freelancer, which is you know basically about what it sounds like. It's being a freelancer in space, which involves all sorts of things like adventure and stuff, but sure. that's, not what, that's not what I'm working on. I'm actually working on with him an idea called Battery, which is um, sort of in the vein of, like, Star Wars and Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. It's, a, it's a science fantasy adventure series. It's about a it's about a monk named Livy who committed a crime, and now she's on the run from the very monastic order she swore a vow to and now along with um, a thief and con woman who's also a swordswoman named Tana she's gonna team up with a wannabe rebel leader named Kale as they trek across their broken pieces of their you know devastated like planet in hopes of finding a solution to bring the world back together again Right. It looks like there's another project here on this list too called Disruption. 
Oh yeah, disruption was something I was the first anthology I did. I actually finished it back in August. Um, there's a whole bunch of people who were on it. It's not just me. It was um, Clay Linville um, again. It was um, another uh, Ziak Matova, Krista Ureta, uh Mark Fraley, a um, uh, Katya Mariah. Um, we all worked together to make the sci-fi fantasy anthology. That's actually. Um, Pay what you want right now on Gumroad. It's available right now. It's 99 nice. pages. It's nearly 99 pages of full color comics to go through. Like you know, you got all kinds of ideas. You got you got comedy. You have uh, adventure, full blown fantasy. You got like this weird techno parable, which is a retelling of Adam and Eve, but with robots on Mars. <laughs> um, That'd be neat to see. I think it's definitely worth a read. Um, it hasn't sold as well as we wanted it to, but the people who have seen it have really enjoyed it. I'm really hoping that once we all get bigger, it becomes like that weird mixtape that people like discover. Like, hey, you remember when those guys did this? Right. <laughs> I like the cover on it. It's very intriguing. Yeah, it looks really cool. The TV floating around yeah. there with the light static on it. Yeah, it looks pretty neat. And, you know, with the... You know, pay what you want. I'm gonna have to get myself. I mean, <laughs> you can't go wrong there, right? You got an extra hundred dollars. <laughs> I wish I had an extra hundred dollars, man. All right, well, I tell you what, we're gonna do, man. We'll uh, put links to all these projects. Well, the same links you sent us up on our website, and we maybe we can help direct some more people your way and yeah. uh, get you some more sales on uh, disruption and raise awareness of your other three projects: Starhammer, Enough Space for Everyone Else, and Battery. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we want to thank you for being with us today. All right, um, thanks. This was a lot of fun. I guess I'm going to have to start tuning into this podcast more often because it's definitely my thing. And I guess if you ever want, you know, someone to pinch it with pedantic knowledge about everything, you can call me up again. He could be our go-to guy. There you go. Uh oh. Like what to clarify stuff we've heard. Yeah. Clarify the rumor mill. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we may just take you up on that. Thanks again for being with us. And, Jack, what else do we have on the website? Show recaps, videos, trailers, pictures, the Candare Video Game Store, Comic Book Store, and Movie Store. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Put a visual with what you're hearing here on the show. Then go to Facebook.com slash Podcast. Give us our page a like. We're everywhere, people. You, it's hard not to see us on yep. social media, I think. At least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else, guys? That's it for this week. Well, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. Jeff Holcomb. And I'm Jay and Monk. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
With CanDarePodcast.com, we'll never have to go outside again. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I'm Night Shyamalan on. Oh. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.